Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. It's the second last episode of Season 17. As uh, Next week will be the last one, then a couple of weeks off, and I come back with the start of Season 18 in mid-August. My name is Guy Flaming. The program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, now with three locations in the Edmonton area. You've got the original in Leduc. You've got the one in Spruce Grove and now a brand new location in West Edmonton Mall. It is uh, right on the main strip, just east of the Ice Palace on uh, Level 1. It's a kiosk right in the middle of the hallway, so you can't miss it. Uh, looks great. Saw pictures of it. Terrific setup. And uh, man, what what could be better than uh, walking through the mall and uh, picking up some beef jerky? They've got other stuff there as well. You might want to check that out. So wilhockbeefjerky.com is their website. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. But now you've got three locations to go pick it up in person. Lots of stuff going on in uh, the hockey world, the prospect hockey world. you got the Holinka Gretzky Cup coming up right away in Red Deer, uh, Canada, having their camp. Pretty much as we speak right now, they're going to name the team here this weekend. Lots of details on that, but we're going to save it because I have a guest from Hockey Canada to talk about that and the World Junior uh, Camps, two of them that are going on here this summer, as well as the World Junior Tournament itself. Some players recently being named to the the camps because uh, other guys not able to go. We know that Jake Neighbors has already declared on Twitter that he was not going to be taking part this summer. You have to expect some other guys as well, and uh, I do have that guest coming up. So we'll touch base on all things Hockey Canada related on the ice. And that's where we're going to go now is because uh, really all the the big news right now is what's happening with Hockey Canada off the ice. With the big story uh, most recently involving eight players from the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team who have been uh, accused. And uh, I don't want to screw up the the verbiage. I'm not breaking any stories here by uh, letting you know what it's already been reported, but the sexual abuse allegations and how it's been handled by Hockey Canada uh, over the years has uh, come to light, and it's not good. But I am not a lawyer, and I don't cover legal stories, so I can't really get into how it's going to play out and what the proceedings are and what's going to happen next, what should happen. But I do want to comment on Hockey Canada itself 
And I, I know there are a lot of people outraged right now at Hockey Canada, and understandably so. And I hope the people who are guilty of certainly the perpetrators, the eight players, need to pay the penalty, whatever that penalty is determined to be. But I hope they are treated as as if they were anyone else and not you know what they are now probably NHL players, pro players at the very least. Uh, but whether they are teachers or bakers or bankers or a guy who works at Tim Hortons or wh- whoever it is, you know, if they did what these players are alleged to have done, the players should pay the same penalty as anybody else. And at the very least, uh, I don't think uh, they should be representing Canada on the ice. Uh, that's for sure. But I mean, I don't know. Is there jail time involved? If so, I mean, that probably ends their careers, right? But the bigger factor here is the victims. And we can't forget about the victims in these cases. So, yeah, I don't feel all that bad about the, these players. I don't feel bad for them. And for anyone in Hockey Canada who knew about it and covered it up or tried to silence it with hush money, whatever the case is, however it plays out, those people should pay whatever penalty that is. I do have a thought, though, with when it comes to Hockey Canada, a lot of people are saying, scorched earth, burn it down, eliminate Hockey Canada and create something new. I understand that sentiment. I don't know that it's the wrong choice. But I do have a concern is that there's a lot of people involved with Hockey Canada who had nothing to do with this, who have done nothing wrong. And I don't know that just burning down everything is reasonable because then that puts a lot of really good people out of work. So I don't know that the solution is as simple as just saying eliminate Hockey Canada. This could actually have government ties as well. And so it's it's really messy. It's really ugly. But uh, the bottom line is that uh, hockey's got some work to do. The hockey culture it's, it's almost become cliche about how bad hockey culture is, but it's obviously true. Now, this is 2018. That's not old history. That's not that long ago. Uh, also, a story coming out now about the 2003 World Junior Team and another, I don't know if gang rape is the, the right terminology to use, but I don't know that this is specific to hockey or specific to sport. I, I saw somebody from uh, the Hockey News who was tweeting, I wish I had the tweet in front of me, but was recounting stories over the last 20 years or so uh, involving hockey. And it wasn't just Canadian hockey. It wasn't just the CHL, but it was the USHL. It was the NCAA. It was other leagues. So it's not just a CHL problem either. But again, I don't know that it's specific to hockey. Maybe it's just a human problem. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I do have concern about just burning down Hockey Canada and uh, trying to start from scratch because uh, a lot of good people might get caught in that the old don't throw out the baby with the bathwater scenario. I could be wrong. Let me know your thoughts at TPS underscore Gee on Twitter. So as I mentioned, this is the second to last episode of season 17. Next week on the show, I do have one guest lined up right now, but uh, taking requests, who do you want me to get on the show? Let me know again on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee, or if you uh, want to send me an email, you can do that. Gee at the pipeline show.com. You can probably send me a DM on, uh, on Twitter as well. But whether it's a, a league you want me to touch base with or a certain player or certain team, media person that I haven't had on for a while, let me know. I'll see what I can do. I'll tell you right now, Ryan Kennedy from the Hockey News is supposed to join me next week. We're going to talk about the, the uh, summer tournaments, the Helenka Gretzky Cup and the 2022 World Junior Championship. And so that is covered already for next week. Anything else? Let me know. This week on the show... I have four guests for you, and they're all going to join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. Place your order online. You can pick up in three different places, Edmonton, Calgary, or Red Deer. All the details right on that website. 
And did you know that you can get the Trouble Tea in tall cans now? You can get them in the original small, smaller, normal size can, but also you can get them in tall cans. Uh, what's better in the summer than a delicious Troubled Tea from Troubled Monk? What might be better is some of their craft beer because those are delicious as well. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing. Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. So the four guests that I have lined up for you this week, we will begin with a 2023 draft spotlight. Yes, you heard right, a 2023 draft spotlight. Usually don't start the draft spotlights for the next NHL draft until the new season starts, but this guy's going to be really busy next year. And I don't want to have what happened with Kent Johnson and Owen Power when they're in Michigan, where I wasn't able to get them just because their, their schedule was too hectic. Uh, so I wanted to get Adam Fantilli on when I could, and he was able to make time for me about five days ago. It was on uh, Sunday, last Sunday, so almost a week ago now. Patrons, you've uh, had access to this interview for uh, you know five full days now, so making use of your early access uh, perk, go to patreon.com slash show, and you can get early access to interviews as well. But Adam Fantilli joined me, played last year with the Chicago Steel, the last two years with the Chicago Steel out of the USHL. He'll be at Michigan this coming season. Is he one and done? Probably, because he's so good. Man, the 2023 draft, unbelievable. And he is going to be one of the uh, top players taken. Probably steps right into the NHL in uh, the 23-24 season uh, after the draft. So, wanted to get him on the show for sure. And he was uh, kind enough to give up some summer to join me last weekend. Uh, from there, we will go to Alan Miller, who is the Director of Player Personnel for Hockey Canada's Junior Teams. We will chat about Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, camp, as well as uh, the World Junior Camp for the 2023 team that will be playing in Halifax, and the 2022 team, which gets going again here in Edmonton. Well, they'll try it again uh, in mid-August. So Alan Miller will join me from Hockey Canada. His counterpart is Mark Boxer, who, uh, with USA Hockey, he runs the junior hockey programs uh, for uh, USA Hockey. And uh, we chat about the Holinka Gretzky Cup entry from the United States this week. And we will end things off with a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, Wade Klippenstein is the director of amateur scouting of the Colorado Avalanche, played in the NCAA for the Alaska Nanooks uh, way back when. Since then, he has uh, been a coach, a scout, an assistant GM, all in the Western Hockey League, also coached in Alaska Fairbanks for a little bit as well. Just finished his sixth season with the Colorado Avalanche, first as the director of amateur scouting, and they win the Stanley Cup. So we'll chat with Wade Klippenstein about all of that as well. So we got an absolutely loaded show, and we'll kick it off next with the 2023 draft spotlight. First one, Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan Wolverines and Team Canada. He leads things off next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Got the puck now in the corner. He and Louis Rail do battle. A pair of number sixes toward the front now. A nice play they score. What a pretty goal by Brendan Brisson, and it's 2-1 Michigan. Hi, this is Brendan Brisson from the Chicago Steel, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Since 
1965 Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. Hey, back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky anywhere in Western Canada. Any order, any size, they will ship it to you. Go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com. All right, this uh, segment of this week's episode, we are turning on the 2023 draft spotlight. Man, it seems like a, a long time between now and the 2023 draft. We just had the 2022 NHL draft, but uh, my next guest is going to be awfully busy this coming season. So uh, he's uh, gracious enough to give us some time here in the summer. Uh, pleased to be joined by Adam Fantilli, who is on his way right now as we speak to the University of Michigan. Adam, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. No no problem at all. I, as I was saying before, I really appreciate you giving up a little a bit of your off-season like this. You're on your way right now to the University of Michigan. Uh, you're taking some summer classes uh, before the uh, the fall session uh, starts up and uh, you start focusing 100% on hockey? I uh, I actually had a whole year in Chicago to take some courses. Wow. So I uh, wanted to have the the off-season free to just focus on training. Oh, nice. Well, that worked out really well. And I guess that's such a, a great asset where you're able to kind of lighten up your academic load while you're at university to, to free up more time to focus on training and hockey. Yeah, exactly. I hope I'll have a, an easy course load for some extra lifts or whatever. But yeah, that was the plan. Well, the last time we saw you on the ice was at the end of uh, the Chicago Steel's playoff run, which didn't, unfortunately, last very very long. Uh, but since the playoffs ended for for you and the Steel, what's the last couple of months been like? I uh, took a nice family trip. We um, wanted to relax a little bit, get away from the ice. Uh, and then after that, we got right back to it and been skating and working out ever since. What do you like to do in the offseason to, to unwind? Uh, I'm a big golfer, get out on the boat as much as I can. Um, Pretty standard stuff, pretty much like everybody else. Pretty standard stuff, that's for sure. All right, well, you're on your way to the University of Michigan. Now maybe let's reflect on the last couple of years uh, with the Chicago Steel and tell me about this past season. I know, as I mentioned, the playoffs ended early, but uh, an exciting year once again for the Steel. Man, the, that club has been such a powerhouse in the league uh, the last few years. What what uh, What's the secret to success, uh, you know, the uh, the recipe for success with the Chicago Steel? It's, it's so many things I couldn't even – I. You'd be sitting here for hours. They, <laughs> they, they have such a program there, and it's so individualized, but yet so much for the team. It's, it's, it's every single day you come and you get better. You, you in every single aspect of your game. They, they bring in the best people possible to, to, to get you, get you bigger, faster in the gym. To, to work on your fine details on the ice, and, and our team practices are like nothing I've ever seen. So, so it's, it's. The entire time, nine to five, you're there. You're you're getting better in every aspect. Well, this past year, 74 points in just 54 games. 37 of those were goals. In fact, 37 goals, 37 assists. So you split that evenly, which is also what you did the year before as a rookie. Uh, 36 points, 18 goals, 18 assists. Do you see yourself more as a setup guy or as a, as a shooter? Because you can certainly do both. Uh, yeah. I mean, my whole life, I've uh, I've been focusing as much as I can on being a shooter, but. 
through throughout my time with the Steel, I've I've played with some pretty good finishers. So I've uh, I've been lucky enough to to been able to give up some passes and then get some free assists. But um, yeah, it's something that I've been focusing on myself to try and be a little bit better of a disher. So uh, it's how I'm happy I chosen the points. How much did you know about the the Chicago Steel and the USHL uh, before you made the decision to go south of the border to play? Uh, because as you said, you know, you didn't really know what to expect and practices were more intense uh, than you had ever experienced before. What were your expectations going down there? Um, I knew quite a, quite a bit actually with, um, Brendan Brisson playing there, Owen Power playing there. I'm, I, I know those guys a little bit mm-hmm. and they gave me a heads up. So I, I, it was a bit of a, a bit of a change, a bit of an adjustment, but talking to those guys, they, uh, they definitely let me know what I was in for. All right. Well, you got to play with those guys. You also got to play with your brother, Luca, and that, that's got to be a thrill. I, I know there's only a couple of years separating the two of you, but as kids, did you get to play on uh, on the same team all that often? Not really, no. The the best I had I was, was house league games here and there, but other than that, we, we really didn't get to, to play together. Uh, until you went to Kimball, right? Weren't you teammates at Kimball? Yeah, we uh, we played together there for however long it was. I was actually a bit late to join the team, hmm. but... Once I got there, yeah, it's been it's going to be our fourth year going on playing together. Uh, Adam Fantilli is my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we uh, turn on the 2023 draft spotlight for the first time uh, this year as we uh, get to know players eligible for the next upcoming draft. And I know it's it's an awful long way uh, until the, the draft rolls around ne- next summer. But the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will know about the Chicago Steel. They'll already have you on their radar for sure. But there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who listen to a segment like this just because you're a, a big-name prospect for the NHL draft, and they might not watch the Chicago Steelers know anything about you. So for the benefit of that uh, segment of the audience right now, let's start at the beginning. Tell me where you grew up. Uh, I grew up in a pretty small town called Nobleton, Ontario, uh, north of Toronto. For anybody that knows that, it's, it's kind of past Woodbridge up in King area. Uh, now, do you remember how old you were when you first started playing uh playing hockey at a young age uh we have some videos um first time i was on skates i uh, was two weeks after my second birthday wow that is pretty young and i'm guessing you know i'm a younger brother and i always wanted to do whatever my older brother was doing if if uh at that go back to that young age i'm i'm assuming luca was playing was that part of it for you you just wanted to copy your older brother yeah i think that's always always part of it for uh for younger siblings and it was kind of a culture in my house with with how my dad was setting us up for her, for our lifestyle. So I was kind of thrown into it and never really stopped. I'm assuming you're both pretty competitive. Absolutely. Everything we do, uh, from mini sticks to doing the chores to whatever in our billet house, it's as competitive as it gets. Well, and now he's a defenseman, you're a forward. Did you ever try the blue line? Um, Not really, unless somebody had a bad pinch. But <laughs> other than that, I, I, try and, I try and stay forward. All right, so why the difference? I mean, you, we were just talking about how you want to be like Big Brother, uh, but he's a different player. I mean, you're off, you're a lot bigger than he is as well, but um, as a blue liner, that never really interested you? Uh, no, not really. I, I mean, watching it growing up, uh, there was always that forward scored more goals, forwards had more points, um, and in my opinion, scoring goals is, is the most fun, most fun thing in hockey, so that's what I always wanted to do. And my dad told me that forward was the best position for that, so she kind of fell into that slot. Nice. Now, I mentioned you're 6'3". I think you're 6'3", at about 190, 195 pounds, something like that? Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, now, Luke is not. He's, uh, what, six foot and 170 pounds, maybe? Uh, when did you pass him sort of on the uh, on the evolution chart? Um, Maybe about two and a half years ago, I'd say. Maybe three. I'm, I'm not too sure. We, we keep a, a, a measuring stack on our fridge. Sure. And we could go back and look at that timeline, but that would be my best gauge on when that happened. So being as competitive as you are, uh, with mini sticks, maybe when you're younger, I'm, I'm guessing the older brother had a bit of an advantage. But uh, since you passed him in the height and the weight, did you start to turn that around a little bit? No, somehow he always convinced me to go in net, so he would just rifle the ball at me. That's that's classic older brother stuff. I got one too. I know what that's exactly. all about. Uh, what about on the outdoor rink? I guess now you can uh, you can t- kind of take it to him, or in practice even. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, I, I'm more of a more of a protective younger brother, but when we go at it. We uh we de- we definitely we definitely get get some scraps and wrestling matches and and whatever but we uh, we try and settle it as quick as possible so mom lets us back inside. All right, uh, Adam Fantilli, my guest. Uh, tell me about the decision to go play in Chicago. No, I know he played there as well. So you you guys have been teammates the last three years. Uh, but have you always known that you were eventually going to take the college road? I know you were drafted in the first round in the OHL. You're from Ontario. I think most people would expect that you'd be a, an OHL guy, but did you know for a long time now that you were headed to the NCAA? Um, actually, no, not really. I when Luca got drafted to Chicago, I was still in Philadelphia WSI tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really even know what the USHL was at that point, and I didn't really decide to go to the USHL until I'd say two weeks before the OHL draft and then I signed my tender and ever since then I, I think I've been leaning a little bit more towards the college route just because of Luca's birthday um, or, or my birthday sorry uh, Luca going there and, um, and I'm just kind of falling in love with the, the United States atmosphere. All right, and I know he's he's going to Michigan. You're going to Michigan. Probably not a coincidence. The other two guys that you mentioned earlier, Brisson and Power, both went to Michigan. I know there's there's kind of a, a an Italian Canadian connection with the University of Michigan over the over the years. Andrew Cogliano is one. Eric Ciccoloni, I know uh, as well. Uh, what what is that connection with the University of Michigan? <laughs> I don't really know. That might just be a coincidence. I know the two guys <laughs> you just named are both from Woodbridge, Ontario, so. Might just be all the uh, all the Italians coming out of Woodbridge that are going to going to University of Michigan. Maybe Louis Caparuso. I know another one that comes to mind. I, I don't know where he's from, but now, what was it about Michigan specifically for you then? Um, I obviously my brother going there was a, was a huge huge part of it. Um, I, I last summer I lived in Michigan training at the uh, USA Arena there, mm-hmm. so I was kind of submersed in the. Uh, Ann Arbor culture. Uh, I really loved it. it. It was always it was always between a few schools, and it really it came down to Michigan. I'd say just because of I could see myself there. My brother was there, and it wasn't wasn't too far from home. Uh, just out of curiosity, the 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 season you moved down to play Chicago the first year happened to be the year there was no OHL season because of COVID. Did that have anything to do with your your decision at all? Oh, I just got lucky. I got to play hockey. <laughs> I guess that's how it works out. Now, this past year was a really interesting the way things worked out. You were able to play in the World U18 for, for Canada. 
uh, right before the playoffs started for Chicago. End of the regular season, then you go to Germany and come back in time for the uh, the uh, playoff series with the Steel. But funny how the schedule works out. Uh, you and uh, and uh, Nick Moldenauer uh, went over and played for Canada. What was that experience like for you? It was something real, real special. You don't you don't get to pull that jersey over your head very many times, and especially going over the pond to do so. It, it it's surreal for all the players that get to do it. it it's very un, undescri- or indescribable. It's, it's, it's the best. Playing for your country, representing your country, it's amazing. I know it didn't work out in the tournament the way that Team Canada wanted to, but you know, you guys had only been named as a team for, what, about a week before the tournament started? Really, it's, that's a challenge, isn't it, to come together as a group, a, a cohesive unit like that, when you've, you're playing with guys, probably a lot of them you'd never even met before, let alone tried to form a, uh, you know, a team on the ice. Yeah, we... We had an interesting situation that uh, was a little bit weird. We we had some flight trouble, um, some practice trouble, ice trouble. We we really only practiced, I'd say, once, one and a half times as a full team before our first exhibition game against Switzerland. So it it was really really a whirlwind for us, and we tried to play catch as much as we could, and I guess it just wasn't enough for uh, for the court. Uh, it's crazy. Now you you over there had six points in four games. I'm guessing you're happy with that. I know the the team result wasn't what you were looking for, but were you pleased with the way that you played there? Yeah, I was really happy with the way I performed. Obviously, I was a little bit snake bitten, and um, on the on the on the goal scoring sheet, on the goal goal scoring side of things, but I was I was still happy that I was able to set guys up. I was still happy with. Uh, the way I was contributing to the game with face-offs, hits, physicality, everything else that I could. So I was, I was really happy with it. All right, so now you're on your way to Michigan. Again, as we speak right now, you're driving. And once you get there and before the start of the regular season, when do you start actually getting to train on the ice with the rest of your teammates? Uh, as far as I know, our move-in date is August 24th. Okay. Uh, as soon as we're there, I'm expecting us to hit the ice and, and be in the gym together. What are your expectations for this coming season? I, I know, I mean, listen, you're a really high-end prospect, so you're going to get a lot of ice time. For a lot of players, especially on a team as deep as Michigan would be, you might have to you know, find a niche for yourself and, and start at the, the lower end of the food chain, so to speak, to get your ice time. But what are your expectations right now? Can you be a, a top six guy as a freshman? Uh, that's that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, everybody always goes in with, with high hopes. And sure. I mean, I started bottom six in Chicago when I first got there. And by the end of it, I was playing with some pretty good guys. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to, be, to go in. And if I'm not at the top, work my way there and do everything I can to help the team win. Now, we're a long way from the 2023 draft, but is it something that you're thinking about already? Um, obviously, you hear things here and there, but not really. I try and keep it out of my head as much as possible and, and focus on my own thing. have a little bit of horse blinders when it comes to that stuff, but mm. yeah, it's always, it's always in the back of your head. It's always the noise. So, Well, I mentioned the points from this past couple of seasons, but maybe the stats don't tell the whole story. So for, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, how do you describe yourself as a player, Adam? I describe myself as a big two-way centerman. He's uh, pretty fast, likes to score goals, and have fun with my teammates as much as I can on the ice. Well, and you said you're more of a shooter than a playmaker, but as I pointed out, you can do both. Seems like equally well. Your points are evenly split between the two. With that size, 6'2 or 6'3 and 195-ish pounds, uh, how up-to-date is that, by the way? 6'3, 190, 195? Yeah, six three one ninety five. That's perfect. I'm guessing there's a physical side to your game. Is that part, uh, you know, whether it's 
using your size to shield the puck, or do you like playing a, a physical brand of hockey where you're, you're banging and uh, crashing into the boards? Yeah, I had uh, quite a few hits this year, quite a few penalty minutes. Uh, got into one fight this year. Hmm. I, uh, I like to use it as much as I can. I think it's, uh, it's part of a game that not a lot of guys have, and if it's a tool that you can keep in your toolbox, I think it's very useful to a lot of teams. So I, uh, I pride myself on it a little bit, and I'm trying to keep it throughout my career. Well, you're an Ontario guy. Does that mean the Leafs were your team growing up? Or, you know, you played the last couple of years in Chicago. I don't know if the Blackhawks' influence is starting to rub off. You're heading to Michigan. I don't know. Does that make you a Red Wings fan? Who was your team growing up? Uh, a little bit controversial being from Toronto, but my favorite team growing up was always the Bruins. Yes, that is a tough team to cheer for in Toronto, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, not really when there's that many games seven wins for us, but, <laughs> um, yeah, you're never really like. Anyone know uh, doesn't have to be a Bruin, but at the pro level that you look at and say, well, there's some I can see some comparables there, whether it's the height and the or the playing style, uh, or uh, that you can kind of use as a a model for your success. Uh, I think it's really hard to compare games to guys in the NHL, but cause I'm, I'm still so far away from that. But sure. I, I I'd like to take pieces from Bergeron, take pieces from McKinnon, and try and make what I can out of that. Well, I'm curious, what areas of the game do you think you need to focus on the most here over the next year or, or however long that you're at Michigan? Uh, I just think maturing my game and, and being able to play more of a pro-style game is going uh, to work on so I can be able to translate that as quick as possible. Well, Adam, I know before I, you actually have a Hockey Canada event coming up, aren't you involved with the, the 2023 World Junior Camp? Yeah, we're, uh, we're heading over there Saturday morning. Nice. So a quick stop in Michigan before you head out to Calgary. Exactly. I'll be back in Toronto to fly out and going back to Michigan the week after. Nice. Uh, how many of the uh, the other guys that are going to be at the Hockey Canada camp uh, have you had heavy cross paths with before? Played a few guys. I mean, I, I grew up playing uh, playing a few few years with Luca Del Bell Blues. I've been at Hockey Canada events with Connor Geeky, Matt Savoy, Nate Danielson. Um, uh, I, I trained in the, in the offseason last year with Jack Beck. They're all, all amazing guys. They're great hockey players, so I'm, I'm excited to go and see those guys again. Nice. Well, listen, Adam, I really appreciate your time like this. Uh, best of luck this coming season. It's going to be a busy one for you. I appreciate you making time, and hopefully maybe we can uh, chat again before the draft. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Here's Adam Fantilli, of, uh, previously of the Chicago Steel, now a member of the Michigan Wolverines, and I uh, fully expect top five guy for the NHL draft. I mean, at this point, I think everybody kind of has him probably number three, maybe number four, uh, Bedard number one, and then you got a couple of Euros in there, Dalibor Dvorsky, and, and of course, uh, Russian Matvey Mishkov. But, you know, go back this time last year, everybody had Shane Wright number one, and he ended up going number four. So anything can happen. Adam Fantilli, what's not to like? I mean, he's got the size, he's physical, uh, and obviously can contribute offensively. Man, 2023 draft is going to be so good. Really, really looking forward to this season and uh, getting all these players on the show. Some of the players who will be draft eligible are going to be on display in Red Deer during the Hlinka Gretzky Cup over the next couple of weeks. Next two segments, we're going to look closer at uh, both uh, Team Canada and Team USA. We'll start with Canada and the Director of Player Personnel for the Junior Teams for Hockey Canada is Alan Miller. He's back on the show Next, you're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. The Blazers, Stankoven, left wing, trying to work around Dory. And does uh, Stankoven and shoots! Scores! 
and this is the Pipeline Show. Are you a U15 or U17 player looking to sharpen up your skills, have fun, and get conditioned for the upcoming hockey season? Let our coaches and players get you ready at the Spruce Grove Saints 4th Annual Hockey School, brought to you by NextGen Transportation. The camp takes place August 22nd to 26th at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. The camp includes over 10 hours of on and off ice training. For more details and to register for the camp, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca slash community slash hockey school today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. He fights like an old lady. It is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky, W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. Busy time of uh, summer here for Hockey Canada as, uh, well, <laughs> for a few different reasons, but we're talking hockey right now. And we got the uh, Ivan Holinka camp uh, happening this coming weekend. The uh, 2023 World Junior Camp is basically going to happen at the same time. Uh, the do-over of the 2022 World Junior Championship will uh, kick off again in August up here in Edmonton. Uh, and a guy who is uh, on hand for all of that is uh, Alan Miller, the Director of Player Personnel. Uh, Al, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm very busy, as you alluded to there, Guy, but uh, all good and always a pleasure to connect with you. Now, do the the Halinka Camp and the World Junior Camp, they don't normally overlap like this, uh, it, just because of uh, such a compressed off-season this year that, uh, that things are just so tight? Yeah, a couple reasons there's an overlap there is 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 exactly what you said it's a it's a compressed time frame uh with the chl seasons running right into the end of june with the memorial cup and nhl draft nhl development camps there wasn't a lot of time when you you know when you considered that we need to roll into the world junior championships in august so uh, there is some overlap but we wanted to take advantage of uh, of that as well so you know on the 23rd we will name our holinka gretzky team and then on the same day, we'll have 44 athletes coming in for our 2023 uh, NJT summer camp. So in the interest of, you know, real good evaluations, real good competition, and at the same time, helping to prepare our Holinka team for competition, uh, we really like the idea of the Holinka team playing those two NJT teams mm. in pre-competition games. So I know NHL scouts are going to love it. I think they're going to be great games. I think there'll be great evaluations for our people here, but I also think that um, it'll be really good in terms of that Holinka team's preparations uh, heading into Red Deer. So we're excited about that. Well, that's a great setup. I think that's a terrific. Yeah, as you mentioned, the scouts are going to love that. The Holinka group, uh, they're all 05 born players, so they're guys, uh, unless they're late birthdays in, in 05, they're all draft eligible in 2023. Uh, so they're not necessarily household names for the general hockey fan just yet. So maybe tell us about some of the 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 high end impact guys from that group. Maybe we'll we'll start net. I mean, you've got four guys uh, involved in your uh, in your selection camp. Uh, do, is there one that's uh, clearly ahead of the pack and is going to be your starter that you know of? No, I, I don't think we're prepared to anoint anybody into you know any starter role right now, Gee or. Um, anything like that, you know, when we look at the, the, the camp, we, you know, there's a lot of depth, there's a lot of talent in this group, which there traditionally is. 
it's it's one of the opportunities we have to you know to bring the the, the best of an age group together um when you consider a lot of our other competitions we don't have everybody available to us for different reasons um you know i think when you look at the group uh you know unger and ratslav certainly um you know bring a little bit more in terms of their experience uh, they were very good at our under-17 camp in, in Ottawa in December. Um, both of them, you know, played, you know, for 16-year-olds, played quite a bit in the CHL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, we feel we have four good goaltenders, and we're looking forward to that competition. Uh, with the uh, defensive group, uh, again, a lot of guys who will become household names but aren't quite there yet. Uh, who are some of the, the, the more notable players, in your opinion? I know you, you'd like to name them all, and they're... They're not all on exactly even even playing field right now, but are there some of the guys that uh, maybe some people will have heard of already? Well, I think you start off with the OHL Rookie of the Year and Cameron Allen from uh, from from Guelph. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know, anytime a 16 year old puts up those kind of numbers, uh, I think he landed on 13 goals, which is certainly impressive for, as you know, Gia, 16 year old in in the CHL. Um, and then was named OHL Rookie of the Year, as I mentioned. So, uh, you know, we, we look forward to, to you know, his uh, his play on our back end. I think uh, Tanner Molendyke is a real good young player uh, in Saskatoon. Jordan Tournier in Shawinigan is a guy that was a big part of Shawinigan winning the, the Q title and, you know, essentially quarterbacked their power play through the playoffs and, and into the Memorial Cup. Um you know, and then I, you know, and I think we've got, you know, Sage Weinstein, Dragasevic, um, uh, a bunch of guys that uh, that are, you know, very, you know, very close in terms of their skill set, uh, how they play the game. Um, uh, you know, Caden Price in Kelowna, um, Etchin Moran in, in Moncton. Good group, uh, Guy, and uh, there'll certainly be some uh, be some tough decisions. Well, everybody knows that the 2023 draft class, especially for WHLers, is a really, really strong one. And uh, the WHL contingent that you have of forwards coming to camp, I think there's eight of them. I I mean, I don't want to pick your team for you, Alan. Or, eh, hey, feel free to ask me. But uh, Zach Benson and Andrew Crystal and Riley Height and Tanner Howe and Kalen Lind and Sam Aremba, Logan Warmold and Braden Yeager. I mean, these, these are stud players all coming from the Western Hockey League. This is a really impressive group. And that's just the WHL guys. Yeah, I think I think there was I think there was one point in uh you know the the WHL season there where I think they highlighted, you know, including Bedard, six sixteen year old players that uh, uh that had fifty or more points, uh, you know, which is, is obviously impressive and and you named uh, an excellent group of young players there. Um, you know, I think when you you look at uh, you know a guy like Caleb Ritchie in 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 Oshawa, um, you know Tyler Petal in in Drummondville, um, you know can go on and on down the list. Uh, uh, Ethan Miedema, Carson Raycroft in in Kitchener, um, you know Matthew Cattleford in uh, in Halifax. Um, strong group. It's an exciting group. The 2005s and uh, and, uh, you know, I think for our group here, uh, um, you know, it's, it's going to be an exciting group to work with, but there's going to be a challenge on getting from 44 to 22. And, 
we need to trust that process and, and make the right decisions. A couple of BCHL guys uh, in the camp as well, including Matthew Wood, who I think everybody expects to be a pretty high pick in 2023. Played on your U18 team that went over to Germany. Uh, what's not to like? Six foot three, 185 pounds, and scores uh, at will seemingly in the BCHL. Uh, but maybe a lot of people haven't seen him just yet. What's he all about? Well, he has elite hockey sense, uh, uh, elite puck skills. Um, you know, very talented uh, around the net, vision, seeing the ice, uh, uh, the ability to score. Um, you know, I think the interesting part for Matthew and, and you know, something that we've seen in, in these situations with players that have previously played uh, at the junior A level compared to some of the CHL players is just getting ready for the pace. It's, uh, it's a lot faster, um, you know, at the international level. Um, and I think that's one thing that, that Matthew and, and again, as an underage performed well for us in, in Germany. Um, but I think he really had his eyes open in terms of the speed at the international level. And I think that would have been a good learning experience for him. And we expect that, uh, that, uh, he'll understand, uh, pushing the pace and, and you combine that with, uh, you know, the, uh, the elite intangibles I just talked about, got a chance to be a very good player. Alan Milliter is the Director of Player Personnel for uh, Hockey Canada, getting set for the Holinka Gretzky Cup, the 2023 World Junior Team, uh, the summer camp, as well as the uh, well the do-over for the 2022 World Junior Championship uh, up here in Edmonton in the middle of August. Uh, let's shift gears to the uh, the 23 uh, World Junior Team. and Again, uh, the goaltenders in camp, a uh, strong contingent from the Western Hockey League once again, Tyler Brennan, Chase Coward, Thomas Millich, uh, and then be, uh, throw in Ben Goudreau from the Sarnia Sting. That's a pretty good uh, goaltending uh, quartet. Yeah, I think that uh, it, it's a strong group. Um, uh, unfortunately, Chase Coward is uh, is not going to be able to participate. Hmm. Uh, he's uh, he's unavailable, so we're we're working through um, you know uh, some changes to our roster there and, and some replacements. He um, but, uh, but at the same time, yeah, you know, you've got a guy like Goudreau who, you know, uh, was our number one goalie at the under 18 world championships in, uh, uh, in Dallas. Um, Thomas Millick was, uh, was outstanding for Seattle, um, down the stretch and, in, in, in the playoffs there. Um, uh, so, uh, again, I think, uh, uh, for this this camp, this is the start of a, a long process leading to, you know, our our you know final camp in in December to to pick our team. It's a good opportunity for us to get evaluation and get to know these players. And uh, and you know, Brennan comes in as a you know a guy recently drafted, big guy uh, with lots of upside. So. Um, you know, we look forward to seeing what these guys can do. Just looking at the the camp list, the summer camp list. There's a lot of players who were invited but unable to attend for whatever reason. Is it for uh, that that list includes you just mentioned the goaltender, but Gallen Larock, Zach Dean, Connor Geeky, Oliver Nadeau, Ryan Winterton. Is it all due to injury or no? You know the the majority of players that uh, that aren't uh, aren't available are are one of two reasons. Key one, um, they're going to be named to the August roster, okay, um, or they're they're not available due to injury. And uh, uh, we have had uh, uh, challenges with uh, with a number of injuries, um, but that's uh, that's part of the game. And uh, 
we have depth. Uh, you know, it's kind of a next man up mentality. Sure. And uh, but um, yeah, there'll be there'll be some players that are were initially part of this camp that uh, that'll be with us in August. And uh, and like I mentioned, some guys just aren't available due to injury. All right. Well, let's go to the uh, the August camp, the uh, the redo of the 2022 World Junior Championship, and. Even after it was canceled back in December, you know, I I'd, I wondered out loud and mentioned it on the show how different rosters could potentially be just because of the timing of it right before NHL training camp start. And I guess you can look at it one of two ways. It's it's a great it would be a great boost for guys to play some impactful, meaningful games going in August to get set for the start of their pro careers. Uh, whereas other guys might want to say, eh, let me focus on uh, getting ready for NHL camps. And maybe some NHL teams would have some say in that as well. How big of a difference do you think there will be in your roster from December to what we'll see on the ice in in, uh, in August? Well, you've kind of laid out the process there, Guy, in terms of, you know, what we've, we've worked through uh, in terms of, you know, working with NHL teams, working with the players. It's obviously uh, a unique tournament in terms of its its timing. Um, you know, uh, this summer, um, we've had, uh, you know, for the most part, we've had really good support from the NHL. Again, I think the biggest impact on our roster is, is going to be injury related. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, right now I think we're probably looking at, you know, anywhere from, you know, around seven or eight players that won't be available in seven or eight additions to the roster uh, for August. Okay. Well, I know Jake Neighbors has already publicly said he, he can't participate. Is there a public list yet, or will that be announced as we get closer to uh, the, the actual camp starting? Yeah, the, the the roster for this team will be announced, I would expect, sometime this week. Um, you know, we're still uh, still dealing with some timelines on some injuries, um, still finalizing and confirming our, our last couple of players. And uh, we look to make this announcement later this week or early next week. Okay. And uh, the guys, if there's, let's say that the number is eight that aren't going to be back, you're going to pull those guys from your 2023 World Junior Camp then to, to kind of fill those spots? No, not uh, not everybody will come from that camp roster. To, you know, there's there uh, there's no 2002s in our summer camp E. And so, but 2002s remain eligible for this tournament. Hmm. Um, so there are some 2002s that, uh, that, uh, weren't available or didn't make our team, uh, in December, uh, that will be added to this roster. Uh, might not be your department, but considering the way things happened, uh, in de- back in December, will everybody be in secured hotels, like uh, just in case, or are we going back into little COVID bubbles just in case to be on the safe side or, or do things change here in August? Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, for the, the most part, um, you know, common sense will pre- prevail team to team and in terms of being, being smart and, and being safe. Um, you know, I think that, uh, uh, there will be limited, uh, COVID protocols compared to, to past events. Um, you know, we certainly want to get through the tournament healthy. We want to make sure all our players and, and staff are available. Um, but not uh, not at the level that has been in the past in terms of strict protocols and, and bubble. Uh, I think uh, we all realize that, uh, that the world has changed over the last several months, and uh, that's reflective in terms of the tournament, but uh, uh, not carte blanche. Uh, 
still need to do things with common sense and, and be smart uh, during the process. All right. What did you learn about this group uh, back in December? I know it was a really short stint uh, of, of the actual tournament itself, but uh, the weeks leading up to it, uh, coming together, anything that you needed to adjust to prepare here for the the, the second version of this tournament uh, here in, uh, in August? Anything that you're going to change from what you saw other than the anticipated uh, personnel change? No, we were we were very confident, very comfortable in uh, the group that we had in uh, December. Uh, we really liked the skill throughout our lineup. Uh, we really liked the heaviness that we had as part of the balance of our lineup. I think we could play the game any way. Um, our coaches were excited about the group. Um, so you know, there's there's not a lot that uh, that we would have changed. Now. You know, our coaches will will bring the 25-man roster into Calgary August 1st. We'll give ourselves about an eight-day, you know, pre-competition camp to uh, to get up to speed and get ready for the tournament. Our coaches will have to infiltrate, um, you know, a new group of players. Uh, you know, we're not looking to change a lot in terms of how we played in December. Um, we don't have a lot of time, and we don't want to want to keep it as simple as possible. And and not overcomplicate things. We're, you know, we're dealing with 18 and 19 year old elite players, and um, they can usually uh, um, get up to speed pretty quickly. And uh, you know, we've got great leadership with our coaching staff, led by by Dave Cameron. So th- there will be an adjustment in terms of uh, personnel, Gee, but um, um, you know, there's not a lot that uh, that we would have wanted to change from that team and, and the way we played and how we felt about our team uh, in December when it was unfortunately shut down. Great stuff, Alan. I really appreciate your time. A busy uh, next month and a half here for you. Uh, I'm sure the last few weeks have been pretty busy as well, but I appreciate you making time for the Pipeline Show. Best of luck at the Holinka and with the two camps and, and of course, the uh, the World Junior Championship here uh, in uh, mid-August up here in Edmonton. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Guy. All the best. Take care. That's Alan Miller, Director of Player Personnel for uh, Hockey Canada's junior teams of so the u18 the u20 squads and of course there's three of them kind of going right now with the holinka gretzky cup and uh, the camp for the 2023 world junior championship as well as uh, the 2.0 version of the 2022 world junior championship that goes next month right here in edmonton now uh interesting he says the 2022 roster will be released sometime this week as I'm speaking with you right now, it's a Tuesday, so by the time this episode actually comes out in full on Friday, we might know the 25 names, but if you're a patron, you're hearing this uh, shortly after I had that conversation with Alan Miller. So we know Jake Neighbors is out. I'm pretty sure Dylan Gunther of the Oil Kings is not going to be playing. He didn't uh, participate in Arizona Coyotes camp last time I saw him. Still had a, a brace on his leg, so I would think he's out. I didn't ask Alan about Caden Gooley, but he also didn't participate in Montreal Canadiens uh, development camp, so probably a good chance that he's not back. I don't expect Owen Power to be uh, back. I've said that several times here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, I would be shocked if Owen Power is back for the, to play in a World Junior Tournament. Quite honestly, I think the only two that are guarantees would be uh, the two undrafted guys, Connor Bedard and, and Brett Brochu. I think we have to take a wait and see on everybody else. Now, the... The O3s, they're back in junior again next year, I would expect, outside of maybe Mason McTavish. Like, Logan Stankoven had a fantastic year, but is he playing in the NHL next year with Dallas? Probably not. 
he's probably back in uh, Kamloops with the Blazers getting set to host the Memorial Cup. I think this could actually be a really good summer here for Stan Coven. Ended last year on such a high and uh, was a, a major factor in the playoffs. Led the postseason in the WHL in scoring and didn't even get to the final. He was basically a 13th uh, forward for Team Canada. I think uh, depending on who's not back, he could take on a much bigger role and be a real impact guy. But like Xavier Borgo was asked about it at Oilers training camp. And, uh, you know, he's starting his pro career and said that it was still up in the air whether he was going to be back or not. Uh, but there are some O2s like Justin Sordiff of the Oil Kings. He's a Florida Panthers a pick, third rounder. You know, does he start in the NHL this year? Probably not. So maybe this is a good way for him to get set for, for Florida camp. If he's not expected to be an NHL player, then why not play? Who are some other guys in that category? You know, Will Cooley, Elliot Tenorier. Shane Wright's an interesting one. And then that opens the door for maybe some guys who were at camp but didn't make the team back in uh, December. I'm thinking of guys like uh, Luke Evangelista, Wyatt Johnston. Uh, both had fantastic seasons in the OHL this past year. So the Hockey Canada definitely has options. If Sebastian Kosa is back uh, for to play for Team Canada, I hope he at least gets to play instead of uh, being the third-string guy. You don't usually see the first-round pick uh, not even dress. And that's what happened uh, for Canada at the two games that were actually held back in December. So it'll be interesting to see what the goalie situation is for Team Canada. All right, next up, we're going to go to Alan Miller's uh, counterpart with USA Hockey. His name is Mark Boxer, and we'll, uh, we're only focusing on the Holinka gretzky Cup for Team USA. That is happening in Red Deer, but let's get to know that team next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And the Finns will start a lead pass by Farinacci. In a low third, Farinacci scores! John Farinacci catches the Finns on a change. The United States retakes the lead. Hey, it's John Farinacci from the Dexter Southfield School, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. They used to tell me, boy, you ain't going nowhere. With your cheap guitar and your big long hair. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! And Duncan Keith And future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro All took the campus route Whether you are a fan or a player Nothing compares to college hockey Visit collegehockeyinc.com And follow at College Hockey Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hi, everybody. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Go to Wilhock. That's W-I-L-H-A-U-K. Beefjerky.com. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. My next guest is uh, not in Alberta yet, but on his way as uh, Team USA gets prepared for the Holinka Gretzky Cup in Red Deer. And Mark Boxer is the director of junior hockey for USA Hockey. Uh, Mark, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Uh, great, Keith. Thanks for having me on today. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you making time like this. I know this summer, uh, does it feel as compressed uh, for you as it does for me? And for most of the guests that I've had on this show, everything's just been so condensed this summer. It's incredible. It's almost like there isn't one. It's like we've been planning for next summer in May, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> 
how long ago did you actually uh, put the uh, the Holinka Gretzky Cup team together for for uh, USA Hockey? Because it seems like it's been announced for a little while now. Well, we we actually uh, finalized it on June 29th, so it's been uh, it hasn't been that that long. It's been about little about three weeks actually, to be honest with you, exactly. And did you have a camp or anything like that leading up to it, or did you just uh, pick the the guys that you wanted? What is it, 24 players, 25 maybe? So what we so how uh, how we did it, and this is historically how it's been done, is we we bring about 180 players in from all over the country, and they they play on 10 teams, and then after four days, uh, we keep about 40 to 48 players around uh, for a th- for a three day camp, and then we finalize the team from that you know 44 to 48 players, okay. and that's what we did, yeah. That's a massive camp to start with that many players. That's that's got to be a challenge. Well, you know, we I, I, we have a good group. We have, we have two really good player personnel people, and Tony Gasparini, who is with the LA Kings, and now he's the uh, GM and president for the Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL. And then we had Rod Braceful, who's an amateur scout for the Chicago Blackhawks, do a wonderful job. So they were the lead player personnel guys. And then our coaching staff, they all four coach in the league, so they knew the players really well. So we had a we had you know we had a list going in, but obviously that changes like every other time that people put a list together. But you want to be prepared, so I thought we were, and uh, I thought like I said, and the great thing about that camp, not to go into too too, de- too much detail, is is so many other uh, NHL amateur scouts, college scouts, junior scouts to come in to be able to see all those kids mm-hmm. and get a good look. Uh, so there's a lot of surprises uh, at those type of camps. Interesting. All right. I like that. Uh, well, this uh, the Holinka Gretzky Cup traditionally is sort of the kickoff for the scouting community for the uh, what will now be the 2023 NHL draft. And uh, boy, it just seems like the uh, 22 NHL draft was just a couple of weeks ago because it was. Uh, but uh, with the with this club and this tournament, all the players are born in 05. So it's a, a real good cross section uh, of players at this age group from around the world. Uh, but a lot of them aren't household names yet. So I'm going to rely on you to maybe introduce us to some of the players on your squad. You got three goaltenders in camp. I mean, is this a, a position that uh, the starting job is up for grabs, or what's the pecking order in your opinion? You know, it's funny. It depends who you ask on our staff. Um, you know, coming out of camp or coming out of the Holinka camp that we had in the last three days, I think Calvin Vashon probably put himself as the lead dog. But like with a lot of these events, it always seems like two or three, all three goalies play a role, two for sure. And it, it always works out that way. I mean, you always think you're going to ride somebody, but it never works that way. And it's really hard to ride a young goalie. So in this case, like I said, I don't think we have anything set in stone, but I think coming out of camp, Calvin kind of separated himself just a little bit. All right. Uh, what about on your blue line? You've got eight defensemen with the team right now. Uh, I'm not sure. Can you dress all eight for a game or do you have to cut that back when it comes time to actually ice the team? Well, it just depends. We're going to be allowed to dress 20 skaters and two goalies. So we'll have one goalie sit out and one skater. Um, I mean, historically, we've never been allowed to take extra players, but this extra player that uh, has has kind of taken over the last, what, two years because of COVID mm-hmm. and any issues coming in. So if you lose a couple players that might test positive, you have an extra player you can slide in there and you're still going to be okay. So that's kind of why we have the extra player along. I mean, again, there's going to be, there's always injuries too. I don't know an event that we've had where we haven't had injuries. So we have 24. 
So I, so I think we're fine. Uh, I like the flexibility from a, maybe from a coaching standpoint where you could rotate eight defensemen as opposed to dressing six or even having seven sometimes seems uh, like it's a, a nice asset for, for teams. Instead of having four lines and maybe uh, you get to double shift a, a forward who's really rolling or something like that. 100%. I totally agree with you there, Guy. Uh, like I said, it's one of those things that it'll be, it'll, again, it'll be a game time decision how they want to play out. It's hard to it seems like a lot of the European teams use eight. They kind of go with four lines with the four, you know, with the D rolling in with the four lines as well. So, again, that'll be a staff call. But, again, it's just, like you said, good to have that flexibility. Now, uh, I think all of the defensemen that you have are either high school guys or uh, played sometime in the USHL last year. But, again, not household names necessarily, certainly not on this side of the border. Uh, who are some of the, uh, the the leaders you have on the blue line? Yeah, well, Andrew Strathman is is one for sure. Very talented kid. Played a full season with with Tri City Storm in the USHL. And another one is Gavin McCarthy. Again, a full season in Muskegon in the USHL. And both, you know, younger players, but played significant roles on their teams, uh, especially towards the end of the year, logging a lot of minutes. There's four other kids as well that played, like you said, USHL games during the season. So. Like I said, we find that's an important piece. We like them to have have kids on the team that have obviously have uh, junior experience. We think that helps, but obviously it's it's not the final piece of the equation of a kid being on a team. But we certainly like that. But we think Stratton, obviously, he's going to be a name that you're going to be talking about moving forward uh, into next year. Like I said, I think in the 05 group, he's a kid that right now is raising his hand and telling everybody to watch me because he's he's right there all right what kind of a player is he? i know he's eventually going to north dakota at least that's his college commitment right now but uh, listed at 511 175 ish pounds is he you know one of those classic uh, offensive guys or a two-way player i don't know if he's how physical he is uh can you give us a bit of a scouting report on him yeah i i i think you'll really you'll you'll really like him he's the kind of guy that has a little sandpaper he can skate he can run a power play He's a big minute guy, and he's got some sandpaper to his game too. You almost have to tell him to ease off, hmm. ease off the gas sometimes. So he's a he's a fun guy to have. He's a he's in the leadership group for sure. And like I said, I I think he's a name that will pop in the next year for scouts. He'll be fun to watch. Uh, Mark Boxer is the director of junior hockey for USA Hockey. As uh, we look at the Team USA entry into the Holinka uh, uh, Gretzky Cup uh, going in Red Deer here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, now with your forward group, you got a couple of players who played in the CHL, one who played up here in the BCHL, uh, not in Alberta, but the province next to us. Uh, but I do uh, want to ask you about uh, the one guy who is sort of a marquee player on this team is Quentin Musty, who was the first overall pick in the OHL and played for the Sudbury Wolves, had a pretty good season as a rookie. Uh, I'm not going to suggest that he is definitely your leader on the team, but he's got to be one of them. Yeah, Quentin, he's, like I said, he, he he is one of our top players without question. He's, you know, we asked our guys at the beginning of camp, and it's when you have these summer camps, we asked them in the first meeting and we reminded them, we want you guys to play hard. We want you to do all the little things like it's playoff hockey. And, you know, he's one of the most talented kids in the camp and he played like it was playoff hockey. It was very impressive. He played really well. Uh, we're hoping that carries over. Like I said, he led by example, and like you said, he's the first overall pick in the OHL draft last year. So, again, he comes in with some notoriety, but, again, he didn't rest on anything. He just went out there, and he led by example, which we really appreciated. So, 
Um, he's one, and another one is is Kerry Terrence. He's another guy. He's playing in Erie in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Again, a really nice player. You know, he's going to be a top-line player. He'll see a lot of minutes. He can do a lot of things, play in all situations. Super smart, you know, great kid. Like, again, works hard. And like I said, you, that's what you really need from some of your better players is guys that really, really work hard. And that's kind of that's kind of our group. I mean, we have a lot of talent there, but I think the big thing about our group is 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 their their MO is is essentially gonna be, you know, we're gonna work hard, we're gonna do the little things. I mean, they're 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 not a bunch of ditch diggers. They're a good group, but they're not afraid to do that. And they did that during the week at camp, which we we were impressed with. I pulled up the stats for the guys on your roster uh, from their last season, and uh, the, the numbers for Will Whitelaw really jump out because, he, I mean, he played at Shattuck, but he had 110 points in 55 games. Uh, 46 of those were goals. So it's not Major Junior. It's not the USHL. How do you grade that compared to some of the other guys on the team? Because those numbers just they jump off the sheet. Yeah, you know the thing about William is he's always been a scorer. He's always, you know, he's always gotten points. He can skate, but again, he was another one of those buy-in guys that really played hard and he did a lot of the little things to make guys better. And and again, if you want to have a good team, that's what you got to do. And whether he not the one thing that we've reiterated to these guys, it doesn't matter if you have points at this tournament. I mean, it, it will come as a byproduct if you do the right things. I we do believe that. And so, like I said, guys like he bought in, guys like Mikey Birchall, who played a full year in Dubuque on a really good team in the USHL. You know, another one of those, another guy, Cooper Pearson, who was a teammate of, um, of William Whitelaw. Again, he's another one of those guys that I think is underappreciated, but he does everything so well and plays the right way and plays so hard that I just think a lot of people are really going to take notice of, of kids like that. Who haven't we mentioned yet that uh, do you think is going to be somebody that emerges through this tournament and catches some eyes? You know, Tanner Adams, you know, he played, he, he again, 16-year-old, playing on one of the probably the best team in the USHL. I know they didn't win the league title, but a lot of people thought Tri-City was the best team in the league last year or close to it, certainly in the West. And Tanner played played a lot of minutes there. Like I said, as a 16 year old, so he's one of those glue guys that's maybe underappreciated. But he'll be a top guy that's expected to do do a little bit. And like I said, he's just a guy that you really like playing with. I think an, another a, another guy that you maybe not a you know you don't really notice, and then all of a sudden after three games, you're like Griffin Erdman. You know, he's a really effective hockey player. He's a kind of a now I'm going to say this, but it's Maybe ridiculous, but he plays a little bit like Brad Marchand. Now he's not in that realm, let's say, but he plays at that kind of fervor, so to speak, and you really like that. And then we got a couple, some you know, a couple of our bigger guys like McDonough and Kuzma, who played full years in the USHL, who we think should have really good impact on on the game, especially with the way they can play. They all play. They played together at camp, and so we'll see. That's the thought process of is trying to make sure there's two guys that really click and then trying to find another guy that can slide in there and complement those two guys that we feel work well together. So that's some of our thoughts, you know, some of our game plan going in because it's such a quick hitter coming out of camp. It's not like world juniors, you know, where basically, you know, you have a summer camp and then you have a, you kind of have your depth chart and then you go into the fall and you're out there watching and you have a pretty good idea what you need as long as you don't have injury or late, late injuries in November, early December. You you kind of can slot them in, and it's 
it's not fairly easy, but it's a, a simpler task. I think this is this is an interesting uh, a tournament because, again, I mean, number one, you know, we have a group of O5s that are National Team Development Program playing out of Plymouth mm-hmm. who are do not are not eligible for this team. We we take a group of another O5. So, you know, like I said, we find that that's a really good thing for our for our kids to give those kids an opportunity because some of the, a lot of these kids are going to slide in and make the under 20 team in a year or two. So it's a very interesting evolution of how these kids go up the freeway. They don't all go up, you know, I-75 screaming. Some of them have to take County Road H or, you know, Highway B in order to get, you know, to that end all at that that junior camp two years from now. It's an interesting process. I like that analogy. That's a nice one. And yeah, I know a lot of people will say that with the without the U seventeen team here, well, this is the B squad for USA hockey, and I I don't think that's fair. And I reflect back on the last time we had the Holinka Gretzky Cup here in Alberta, and I know that tournament didn't end uh, particularly well for you guys. I think you, I still think you got screwed on the on the uh, the late <laughs> goal there for Canada. I guess maybe I should ask you: Is that uh, is instant replay? Uh, in the works for this tournament this year? I don't know. Is that still a sore spot for you? No, you know what? It, it's, you know, it, it's interesting. All that stuff, they're all, it's a learning process. I think that you have to go through. Um, obviously those are bitter pills to swallow because there's a lot of work that goes into these events. And when things like that happen there, it's a, like you said, it's a, it's tough to take, you know? So, you know, end of the day, like I said, ho- hopefully we're in that situation again. Hopefully the kids get to experience a situation where they're, in a game, late in a game, and they have a chance to win and, and, and do something special. So, yeah, I mean, it was hard to take, but end of the day, like I said, we've moved on from that. And like I said, hopefully everybody's learned from that that stuff, and we just get better, you know? We get better from those things. Before I let you go, I wanted to uh, ask you about the uh, the uh, 2022 and 2023 uh, World Junior Camp, uh, the summer camps that you have going on, uh, what, I guess, next week in uh, Michigan. Is that next week already? Yeah, it's it's already happening. Man. It's already happening. So uh, it, it's quite an interesting thing with with the last uh, the the twenty or excuse me the twenty two World Junior being canceled in in like just after Christmas, mm-hmm. and now we're restarting and and I guess we're redoing it in August. It's uh it's it's quite a challenge because we have our the, the twenty three team coming in on the twenty fourth into Plymouth, and then the group of kids. Uh, from the the junior team that or the junior uh, tournament that was canceled coming in the, on the 26th, so we have two staffs. You know, everybody coming to Plymouth. You know, it, it's going to be a great thing to watch for all the scouts to watch these players and where they're at. But at the same time, you know, it's it's just a, log- a little bit of some logistical nightmare. Um, and not the and the other thing too is you're going to have some crossover. You know, yeah, I, I think you might have some questions about that yeah. and what that crossover is. That's going to be up to Nate Lehman and, and John Van Beesbrook, who's the general manager and head of our international hockey department. They will be the ones because Nate's the head coach of that team, uh, the August team that's reforming. They're gonna, there's going to be some crossover and, and how that will play out. Um, that's up to that staff. I, I'm, it's unfortunate because I've been involved heavily with 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 those two uh, group groups of players, and I'm not going to be there. It's kind of like I said, but at the end of the day, like I'm. It'll be fun to see how it turns out. Um, as you know, there's, well, there's a few kids that won't be there, um, you know, based on some things, but that's out of some people's, out of out of our control. And like I said, we understand 
why some players can't be there. And, and that's just the way it is in the summer sometimes. So Those players who won't be there from the team that was in December, I think it's Maddie Beneers and Jake Sanderson. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong yeah. on those two. Anyone else? Yeah, that, that, that is correct. And there's a couple, there's a couple other players that there's some, there's some injury items right now that, that haven't been finalized. So some of those rosters are, are going to be coming out. But, I, but like I said, there's, there's a few guys that are, that are, uh, that there's still question marks due to injury. Okay. And uh, so I'll leave that, I'll leave that to, to John Van Beesbrook and Nate. And obviously uh, Rand Pecknold's going to be our 23 uh world junior coach so like i said rand unfortunately for rand he's he's going to come in and be able to see his guys but some of his guys are going to be taken by nate and his group up to edmonton so it's kind of a it's very interesting and something we haven't done before but again it'll be great for all the scouts that go there to see all the all the players you know from from old from old fours all the way to o twos you know so you know covering a few birth years. It's going to be interesting to watch. Very hectic uh, next uh, month or so. Uh, Mark, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy Red Deer and uh, good luck in the Holinka Gretzky Cup. I appreciate your time. Gee, thank you very much. You have a great day and have uh, try to enjoy somewhat re- what's remaining of your <laughs> summer. Here's Mark Boxer, director of junior hockey for USA Hockey as uh, he gets his team uh, ready for the Holinka Gretzky Cup. You know, after having uh, the conversation with Alan Miller and now Mark Boxer, one guy I'm, I'm wondering why Grayson Sachin isn't invited to either camp. He's born in Canada but has lived and played in the United States for the last, uh, what, four or five seasons, played for the U.S. National Development Team last year, and maybe that's why he's not part of the Holinka Gretzky Cup for Team USA, but I don't know if he considers himself American now. He hasn't played in an international event yet, and playing in the Holinka Gretzky Cup for either Canada or U.S. would not uh, rule him ineligible for either country moving forward. It's once you get into a double IHF tournament. I remember Keegan Lowe, uh, who's the son of Kevin Lowe, uh, played for the United States at the Holinka Gretzky Cup, but that didn't mean that he couldn't play for Canada again later on in his career. That's just one example. So I'm a little surprised Grayson Sachin isn't uh, either part of Team USA or invited to Canada's camp. Maybe he was invited to that giant camp that uh, USA Hockey had and just didn't make the final cut. I don't know what the story is. I've uh, reached out to uh, Mark since that interview uh, to see if I can figure out what the situation is. Uh, But as I'm recording this right now, uh, no reply just yet. If you happen to know what the situation there is, uh, let me know at TPS underscore Guy. We've got one more segment to go on this week's episode. We're going to speak with a Stanley Cup champion. He's the Director of Amateur Scouting for the Colorado Avalanche. His name is Wade Klippenstein, good friend of the Pipeline Show. Talk to him about his career path uh, through the NCAA as a player, through the WHL as a uh, coach and a scout and an executive, and now has reached the top, hoisting the Stanley Cup over his head as a member of the Colorado Avalanche. That's next, here on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming. Jackney won it, left half boards, McCarr skates down the boards to the corner, stops up there, then got around a defender to the side of the net, cuts in front, shoots and scores! A thing of beauty, a work of art, Kale McCarr just took over this whole game, dangling a defender out of his skates in the left corner, cutting to the slot untouched. Hey, it's Kale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
Oscar from Atchison loves Wilhawk beef jerky. I'll never forget it. Heading to the lake. Three screaming kids in the back. Let's get ice cream, we said. Sour, soupy sundaes all over the van. But then I found Wilhawk beef jerky. Tender, seasoned pieces of meat smoked to perfection. Perfect for keeping little mouths busy. And best of all, no sloppy surprises. And I always make sure to bring a little extra to eat around the campfire. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Batman is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show, uh, which of course is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. WilhockBeefJerky.com. W-I-L-H-A-U-K. BeefJerky.com. All right, uh, we're going to wrap up this week's episode uh, by chatting with a uh, well, a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, as I'm pleased to be joined by the uh, director of amateur scouting for the Colorado Avalanche. That is uh, Wade Klippenstein. Uh, Wade, welcome to the Pipeline Show. It's been a while. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. It has been a while, but uh, always good to catch up with you. Well, I appreciate you making time like this in the summer. And, uh, well, first off, I guess, congratulations. You and uh, the Avalanche have uh, realized a dream of a lot of uh, Canadian kids, a lot of, uh, well, kids from around the world, uh, lifting the Stanley Cup. Have you actually had the chance to lift the Stanley Cup? Yeah, we spent a few days with it back in Denver. And then, uh, again, at the draft in Montreal, we had a, a team dinner one night for the scouts just the night before the draft, and the Stanley Cup was there. So it was a special moment never gets old um we obviously enjoy every chance we get with it and um probably three or four days with it with uh, with our group and also uh you know a day in the parade in denver which is pretty special as well well and everybody will eventually get to have their day with the with the cup but do you know you don't know when that's going to be but do you know what you're planning to do that day yeah it's still in the works obviously the players and coaches are priority as they as they should be and we kind of build in the staff uh, around those dates. So we're still waiting to hear. Um, hopefully bring it to my uh, hometown here in Coaldale, Alberta, where my kids have grown up. and uh, Get a chance to share it with as many people in the community here and and uh, spend some you know some time with my family with the cup as well. Everybody seems to want to do something out of the cup, whether it's, uh, I don't know, cereal or soup or, or poutine or something. Do you have something like that in mind? Well, <laughs> We've talked about it, whether it's an A&W root beer floats or my wife's Ukrainian, so probably pierogies or cabbage rolls or something uh, ethnic to Ukraine. So we're still, uh, you know, still talking, but a little superstitious until we get the date and the exact time when we are going to get it. We try not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but lots of ideas. Uh, my father passed away in 2005, so I'd like to take it to his gravesite. I think a lot of guys uh, try and share it with their families, and that's one thing that's important to me. So. Hopefully it becomes a reality and, uh, again, share it with as many people as you can. Uh, you just see the joy that it brings to hockey people, non-hockey people, people all walks of life. When that, when that trophy comes into a room, it just lights up a room. And, and uh, you know, we, we spent a day with it. Uh, our staff at Joe Sackick's house and David Duvall was there. And here's a guy who's won, you know, the Claret Jug. And, and he's had great success in, in, in sport. And he wanted to see the Stanley Cup and uh, other sport people, you know, outside of hockey want to see it. And everyone loves the Stanley Cup. It has a real presence about it. It's the greatest trophy in sport. Mm-hmm. And just to see how people interact with it, it's just really impressive. I agree. Seeing it in person is uh, unbelievable. It's uh, It gives you chills, goosebumps just thinking about it. Uh, what's the What's the rule, though, for 
Well, people, do they touch it? Do they not touch it? Does it? Some people seems like uh, unless you're a champion, you don't, you shouldn't touch it. Maybe don't even look too closely at it or something. Other guys seem to be uh, all the time uh, touching it and lifting it over their heads. Is there an unwritten rule? Well, I think there's some unwritten rules and there's some written rules as well. Like the guys that take care of the cup, they it's a job for them and they take it very seriously. So unless you've won the cup, you're apparently not supposed to raise it. Only the people who have won it are allowed to lift it over their shoulders. And uh, they keep a close eye on it. A lot of people are superstitious. I know a lot of hockey people do not want to touch it or drink from it uh, until they win. So uh, you get a little bit of everything. But uh, at the end of the day, a lot of people really enjoy being around it. This was your sixth season as a member of the uh, Colorado Avalanche staff. Uh, your first, though, as director of amateur scouting. A coincidence Then uh, you guys win the Stanley Cup after that change? Uh, just straight <laughs> luck, uh, timing. <laughs> A lot of things in hockey and life. No, I, I've been surrounded with a lot of good people. Uh, some I still work with, some that previously worked with us. And there's so many people that go into this this championship. And even look at our team and, and the makeup of our team. I think there's only five players left from my very first year. With all the changes from, uh, you know, we got a new coach. Uh, I got hired in August, and two weeks later, we had a new head coach, Jared Bednar. Hmm. And then the team started to take shape. We had probably the worst year we had in franchise history with a 48-point season that first year. But since then, obviously, things have been trending up, and this year we finally broke through. So all the changes from the pro side, from the management side, to the amateur scouting, to the analytics, there's every department in our organization uh, contributed to this. And, and even you know people that no longer work for us are obviously a big part of it as well because it takes a long time uh, to build a Stanley Cup champion. You've been involved in hockey for a long time, uh, as uh, whether it's a scout or a coach or uh, in the management. How much has that job changed over the last 20, 20 plus years uh, that you've been doing it in terms of technology and just maybe even what you're looking for in a player? I, I imagine the evolution of scouting has got to be pretty incredible. Yeah, you got to try to stay current as best you can as you see the game evolves. And I think our team's a great example of that. If you look at how we play and how we build our roster versus a team that maybe won 20 years ago, 10 years ago, or even five years ago, um, we definitely play the game fast and speed and skill is a big, a big part of our identity. Um, you know, scouting, you still got to get in the ranks. You still got to watch the games. You still got to know the players and, and build relationships to get that information. But there is support now and a letter video. Um, it's just, there's a lot that goes into it more than what people think. Uh, I think everyone thinks they're a scout. Everyone uh, that has a Twitter account can scout. So, uh, <laughs> we, we, uh, we got a lot of good resources, a lot of good people involved and it's, there's a lot more to it than there was uh, years ago. Well, this past draft, uh, not a very busy day for the Colorado Avalanche, uh, only had to make two selections and you got to wait forever, uh, just round six and round seven. I guess, hey, listen, you win the Stanley Cup, but to get there and to put some of the pieces in place cost you a lot of draft picks. As the scout, as the director of amateur scouting, when those trades happen, is there a bit somewhere deep inside of your core that's like, oh, bummer? Yeah, we uh, we prepare our list independent of what our, our picks are going to be or what we think they're going to be, uh, what our depth is. Uh, you look this last year uh, or two years ago, the draft in 2021, Everyone thought we were one of the deepest teams in the league with depth on prospect defensemen. Well, we moved three of those guys since then, yeah. and now we're not the deepest team. So to try and draft based on what you have or what you think you have is, is a little bit dangerous. So we always build our list independent of that, and uh, whatever we're gifted for picks at the time of the draft, we try and use those to the best of our ability. 
but gifts that I mean that's the thing. It's like Christmas morning, isn't it? The NHL draft for for a scout, but you've only got two presents to unwrap while everybody else has a lot more. There's got to be a little. Well, <laughs> you're, I mean, you're kind of yeah, bored that day, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, and there's not one person that's going to feel sorry for us, uh, <laughs> which is fine. But we had four picks going into the night before Christmas. And then uh, we woke up Christmas morning to two picks, but hmm. at the same time we uh, made some good additions to our club, and and that's just the way it is. So there's a lot involved, and some of those picks we made that never got to our team ended up being a big part of us uh, acquiring different pieces that helped us win the championship. The Avalanche had development camp here fairly recently. How'd that go? It was good. Um, it's it's such a treat for those players. Uh, some of them drafted, some of them just free agent additions. Uh, they get treated so well to get that first. Pro experience. Uh, every team does this. They bring in their players, and um, you know they get to meet the staff, our American League coaching staff, our development staff. And those kids get a real um, awesome experience that way. They get to see the city. I think they took in a Rockies game one night. They uh, went down to Colorado Springs and had a bit of a, a team builder there as a kind of a hike through the mountains. So they got the true Colorado experience, and I think every man enjoyed it. And uh, you know, from there, we, we try and bring some back to our rookie tournament. Uh, we're always in a rookie tournament uh, in September. And then from there, we just kind of identify guys that are prospects for us. Some guys go back to junior. Some guys uh, turn pro, go to the American League, uh, ECHL, or um, many of them hope to play in the NHL someday. Really compressed summer uh, this year, especially because, uh, well, from a CHL perspective, all the leagues, uh, this regular season, the playoffs, everything got pushed back because of COVID. Uh, so, I mean, they were playing hockey until the end of June, uh, and uh, then they start up again in August. So the the offseason uh, virtually non-existent this year, and then especially when you add in the Holinka Gretzky Cup and the uh, World Junior Summer Camps for the 2023, and then redoing the 2022 World Junior uh, Tournament uh, here in August. It's a lot of hockey in the offseason when you're supposed to be, uh, you know, recuperating, getting ready for the for the new year from a team perspective, or maybe just your personal thoughts. I'm curious about the, the world junior championship, uh, the 2022 version that they're going to do again. Uh, they say everybody's uh, eligible to play that would, that were on the teams in uh, December, but I have to think that, you know, with the, with it being in August, some guys are going to be getting ready for maybe starting their pro careers. Uh, other guys might be banged up. What are your thoughts about the, the, the world junior championship this year and, and how different rosters could be? Yeah, you're correct. And our summers uh, shrunk quite a bit from um, like we just got back from development camp. We obviously went straight through our team playing to the final game of the year. And then the draft and development camp, this is honestly the first week that's kind of, you know, in quotes off. Yeah. Sorry to call you on your week off. <laughs> yeah. But there's uh U18 tryouts going on in Calgary this week and uh, other hockey Canada events all throughout. So there's really not a, a week uh, where something's not happening, but the World Juniors in August, we'll see. You know, first and foremost, I'm happy for the players that were selected and, you know, kind of got shorted at Christmas last year when the tournament got shut down. So I'm happy for them uh, as they all, you know, really enjoy playing for the country and it's a privilege to do so. So to see them get that second chance. Um, from an amateur scouting perspective, it's, you know, not a great event for us. Most of the players are drafted now, especially that, uh, you know, we're using the same rosters we did at Christmas. Most of those players that, if they were eligible, just got selected. So mm-hmm. um, it'll turn into more of a reserve list pro scouting event uh, where different staffs will come in. Um, you know, our amateur staff will go watch the Holenka like all amateur staffs do, but we'll see how the world junior goes. Maybe it's a smashing success and it becomes an August tournament. I, I doubt it. It's been a long tradition over Christmas, but again, I'm 
just uh, thankful that the players and coaches involved get to get to participate in the event. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's a, there's two Avalanche prospects who will be playing: Oscar Olsson for Sweden and and Sean Barons for the Americans. Is anyone else in the picture? No, those are the two guys. Uh, Sean actually was real close to making Team USA at Christmas and uh, had a double COVID experience that uh, eliminated him from the process. So that's one of those players I'm talking about that yeah. thankfully got a second chance and will get to represent their country. And then Oscar was there uh, playing for Sweden and uh, had a good start to the tournament. Uh, so we're hoping he comes back and kind of takes off uh, where he left off. All right. So those are 19-year-olds. Uh, Olison will be back in the CHL next year again, I, I, as far as I know. And, and Barron's, I think, is still at Denver for this coming season. So, yeah, a tournament like this for those guys, great. Uh, gets them ready for the for the coming year. I'm more curious about, you know, a 20-year-old. You don't have any of those guys. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go back and say if this was two years ago and it was Bowen Byram or Alex Newhook in that situation, from an NHL team's perspective, do you want those guys going to play a high, uh, a meaningful, impactful tournament like this, high-energy tournament in August right before NHL camp, or do you want them to kind of take it easy and prepare for NHL camp? Well, yeah, Oscar uh, is prepared to turn pro, so he does fit into that category. Okay, fair so enough. We anticipate it. We yeah, we anticipate him playing, um, you know, for our NHL team or American League team this year. We'll see where it all shakes out, but um, you know, elite competition. I think any time is good if your players can get into those uh, competitive situations. Um, you know, where you can kind of see how they deal with it. I, I think it's always a good evaluation. Uh, the kids really want to play, and I think that's what it comes down to. They take so much pride in representing their country. Uh, when they get to these events, they almost 100% of them want to play in these events. So that's probably the biggest driver of who plays and who doesn't play. Um, we've kind of left it up to the players. I haven't heard anything otherwise. Maybe some other teams, agents, players have chosen a different route, but for us, we want our guys in this event and want to see them compete at uh, such a high level. Wade Klippenstein is my guest. He is the director of amateur scouting for the uh, Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I don't imagine that's going to get you're not going to be tired of hearing that uh, attached to your title uh, very often. It's uh, it's going to take some time to get used to, but I'm okay with you uh, kind of pounding it in there. So yeah, thank you for that. Just remind everybody. <laughs> sure. Uh, I want to go back and and talk about your path to get to where you are. You were uh, as a player. You played four years at the University of Alaska Fairbanks uh, with the uh, Nanex. I believe Don Lucia was your head coach all four years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he was. He uh, or his, my last year was his last year. He left the Colorado College uh, after that. But yeah, he was a a great coach, a good mentor, and uh, you know taught me a lot about the game and life. Uh, my four years in Alaska. Well, your last year uh, with the Nanix, what a season. I mean, you guys had four 50-point scorers on your team, and in, 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 you're playing 35, 36, 37 games, something like that. Uh, you had 51 points that year uh, as a, uh, a power forward. Uh, and that coming off a season where the year previous, your team only had four wins. You end up with an 18-win season in your final year. But tell me about that. that what was the difference between year three and year four for you, and, and what went right that final year? <laughs> well, year three, we had a player that was ineligible that we found out about at the end of the year, so they stripped us over 15 wins. So wow. it wasn't as bad as uh, as uh, the record would indicate, and that sometimes happens with uh, NCAA, okay. uh, we'll say politics. But uh, it was just a, an anomaly. One of our players had taken a course when he was uh, in Canada coming out of high school, and uh, someone forgot to record it, and it cost him a year of eligibility. So that entire year, any game he played in, we lost, so uh, that changed our record, but we had a great year. I think we won 17 games that year rather than four, and then my senior year, we won 22 and had a 
a pretty good group and everything came together that year for us and uh, played with a lot of good players um, with a good coach and a, and a good program. So I was just fortunate to be kind of in the group that changed the fate for that school. Uh, it was kind of spinning the wrong way and a couple of good years there, some good players kind of got it back on the map and they've done it again. I think they've had some struggles recently, but I think they've got it back on track and, and good things are ahead for the program up there. Well, and uh, I know the Seawolves are coming back as well from uh, from Anchorage. Uh, don't know what the long-term feasibility is for both of those programs, but uh, like you, I hope they find a way to keep it going up there for sure. Uh, you played, uh, what, about three seasons a pro, kind of? Not a whole lot of uh, games under your belt as a pro. What, what was happening there? Yeah, I never really uh, planned on playing pro hockey. I, I thought college hockey would be the end of it. and just had a really good year my senior year, and it kind of opened up some opportunities for me. So not a long pro re- career um you know no regrets I, I was maybe wishing it would have went differently but at the same time it just allowed me to get into coaching and scouting a little bit earlier and, and getting a lot more experience that way so it's been a, a positive ride you know with a few bumps here and there but uh, a lot of good things a lot of good people and obviously a lot of good memories along the way so as you were wrapping up your college career as a player did you already know that uh, being on the bench or getting into that side of the game was something you uh, had an interest in doing? Because it didn't, I mean, three years, four years later, you're on the bench with the Saskatoon Blades. Yeah, not really. I, I you know, I love the game, wanted to stay involved with it, and, and you know, was looking for a point of entry. And, you know, I, I guess an entry-level spot was an assistant coach in the Western Hockey League, and I was fortunate at the time to get that opportunity. And, you know, the position now is is evolved into a full-time, you know, more of a, less of an entry-level position we'll call it uh teams have put a lot of resources into their staffs now but back then back then you'd have a full-time head coach and then you'd have maybe one assistant Hmm. Uh, no one had goalie coaches skills coaches mental performance coaches so the jobs are few and far between so i was very fortunate to get that opportunity in Saskatoon to kind of kick things off for me Saskatoon, PA, Moose Jaw, Prince George for a long time as an assistant coach, and then you got into management and, and the, the scouting portion of that as well. And uh, then you wrapped up your WHL career with Brandon Weekings and sprinkled in there four years of uh, assistant coach, three years uh, up in uh, Fairbanks again with the Nanooks on, on the bench there. So you've been all over and, and done everything. Uh, a little time with Hockey Canada as well uh, as a scout too, weren't you? Yeah, I helped it with their under-17 uh, they used to have Team Pacific. I was a head scout for that for a few years. So, yeah, I always wanted to do as much as you can and experience as much as you can through the game, whether it's uh, travel, whether it's, uh, you know, diff- playing different levels, coaching different levels. Um, and I've been very fortunate to be involved with a lot of good people in good places uh, throughout my hockey journey. And uh, you mentioned your sons a little while ago. Uh, Bowman is a, a, a drafted player in the WHL by uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings here right in town played did he play at uh, Notre Dame in Wilcox Saskatchewan this past year yeah yeah he's going back there this year for his uh, third year and he was fortunate to get an opportunity with the Oil Kings and uh, see where it goes from there but he's uh, he's excited about attending his first ever Western League camp this fall so uh, we'll see how that goes for him he's a aspiring young player that's got a long ways to go but he's thankful the Oil Kings give him an opportunity well are you going to be able to make an appearance up here or are you going to be working I'm going to try and be a hockey dad for the weekend and do my best uh, my wife and I have talked about kind of blocking out that weekend and make sure we get up there I'd love to see his first training camp so I'm hoping we can do that as a family you can always spin that into uh, hey it's business too because there's a lot a lot of young guys undrafted players at camp yeah, that's true, and uh, he's in Wilcox this year, and Connor Bedard's in Regina, so I'm looking forward to those trips, and hopefully once in a while maybe see my kid uh, 
mixed in with a lot of Regina Pack games. Before I let you go, Wade, people will always want to know, what would you recommend to somebody who wants to get into to scouting or coaching? Some simple steps along the way that uh, that you could, you know, words of advice you can pass on to people who want to, well, they want to do what you want, or what you're doing. You know, it's, it's a good question, and, and there's a lot of different ways to get into it now. It's not just, you know, 20 years ago, you had to be a former player to basically work in hockey anywhere. And that's, uh, that's changed. So uh, for me, I always tell people, get in the rink. You got to be in the rink. Um, that's where the players are. That's where the people are. That's the reality of it. Um, go to hockey games, meet people, watch players play live. And I think that's where you build your network and that's where you meet people. And that's, that's real things. That's real hockey and that's real scouting. So I encourage people to get in the rinks. Excellent stuff. Uh, Wade, I really appreciate your time. Uh, congratulations once again. And uh, maybe we'll see you at Oil Kings camp. Yeah, thanks again. And, and have a great summer. That's Wade Klippenstein from the Colorado Avalanche. He's uh, been a good friend of the Pipeline Show for a long time. I think the first time I met him was through Dean Millard. He and Dean Millard are good friends growing up. And Dean, for you longtime listeners, uh, was the co-host of the Pipeline Show for like the first 10 or 11 years. And uh, that's when I first met Wade. He was, I believe, at that time, the head scout assistant GM uh, for the Prince George Cougars, I believe. Uh, But we've kept in contact, and uh, he's a guy that I'll text periodically throughout the season to uh, ask for input on uh, even some who should I get on the show that sort of thing so really appreciate him making time here in the offseason and uh, I guess we'll see him at uh, Oil Kings camp with uh, Bowman uh, being a late draft pick of the Edmonton Oil Kings big kid multi-sport guy at Notre Dame I think he was doing some track and field I think he was telling me it was discus or or uh, shot put or the hammer throw something like that I think Wade was telling me uh, but the big guy, Wade is no shrinking violet, and uh, Bowman is taller than his dad. So we'll see what the Oil Kings uh, have with uh, Bowman Klippenstein when a uh, camp opens next month. Speaking of which, breaking news on uh, Thursday here as uh, head coach of the Oil Kings, Brad Lauer, has been hired by the Winnipeg Jets to be on their bench as an assistant coach. So Brad Lauer's tenure with the Oil Kings has come to an end. Really successful coach and quite honestly expected that he and maybe Luke Pierce uh, would be moving on, uh, maybe to the American Hockey League to take over a bench together. Uh, but this is an NHL opportunity for Brad Lauer, so uh, Luke Pierce, I would assume, will take over head coaching duties for the Oil Kings. That's not official. I don't have inside information on that. Uh, that would be my assumption, though. He's coached in the league before and has been a big part of the Oil Kings for the last uh, uh, four years uh, working with. Brad Lauer, so it would seem like a natural transition, but I, I don't know. I guess we'll see over the next uh, couple of weeks. Anyway, that will do it for this week's episode of the show. Next week on the program, it is the season finale of Season 17 of the Pipeline Show. I do know that Ryan Kennedy from the Hockey News will be on. Uh, we're going to talk about the Flinker Gretzky Cup and the uh, 2022 World Junior Championship, uh, the 2.0 version. Uh, but as for other guests, uh, nothing confirmed just yet, but it will be a good show, and we will close out season 17 a couple of weeks off after that and then back with season 18 of the pipeline show in mid-august and with that i bid you a good weekend look forward to chatting with you next week here on the pipeline show brought to you by wilhock beef jerky my name is Keith flaming see ya <laughs>